Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Nolan Richardson made the Arkansas Razorbacks a legendary program in a short amount of time, taking over for former coach Eddie Sutton, who preached the three Ds, defense, dedication, and discipline. Nolan took that to a higher level. One would say he was the catalyst of change for the sport, implementing a full-court, in-your-face, wear-the-other-team-down defense that transcended the sport of college basketball. Nolan took a solid program with respect to national relevance in a matter of a decade. From 1989 to 1996, the Hogs were as good as any Blue Blood program. A national championship, three Final Four appearances, and numerous Sweet Sixteens. In basketball, Hog fans felt an importance that they didn't have in football or baseball at the time. Teams feared playing the Razorbacks. No one wanted to go through 40 minutes of hell. Richardson built this and Hog fans relished in it. Nolan was always so intense and confident with not only his team but himself. That mindset took the fan base by storm with the expectation to win against everyone. Losses were rare and shocking, especially at home. His brand of basketball created a demand that Barnhill Arena couldn't hold. In return, the University of Arkansas built the basketball palace of Mid-America, Bud Walton Arena, a shrine in many ways to his accomplishments at Arkansas, ultimately having the court named after him. Thank you for tuning in to a special episode of the Hog Talk podcast, Rolling with Nolan, with former Razorback men's basketball head coach, Nolan Richardson. Here's your host, Porter Hayes and Jacob Davis. We want to welcome you into a special edition of the Hog Talk podcast, and we are presented to you by Bet Online. And football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pros and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, players, performances, props, and to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right down to the Olympic coverage, and is the best in the business, from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination, and Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. And, audience, we will now go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline where we bring in the GOAT. Mr. Nolan Richardson, head coach of the 1994 National Championship team and three Final Four appearances. Coach, first before we start, thank you for your time, and how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. It's good to be on with you guys uh, and looking forward to talking with you some more as we go on through the show. Yes, sir. And, 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 you know, just talk about this year, you know, where's this, where the state of the Razorback program is. It, it's a very exciting to see what Eric Musselman's done, what you got going on in football, the baseball program, all the women's sports that's got going on. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a, one of the best times to be a Razorback fan. And for you being at the height and coaching the height of the basketball era, I mean, what does it mean to you to seeing where the program is right now? Oh, it's great. Uh, you know, I, it's 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 unbelievable how this little small school out in the Ozark Mountains and and have a chance to be, you know, one of the best all around. And that's the key all around. We're talking about track that we didn't mention of all those national championships with John McDonald along with the, the baseball coach and, and him having one fly ball 
being the national champions in baseball in, in every year in and out. Uh, the women's programs are just phenomenal. Uh, you know, watching even the uh, gymnastics, uh, you just name it, it's there, you know. And, and then, of course, the, the real great part of it is because of, because I'm a basketball man, basketball coach, X, Musselman's done a, a phenomenal job, uh, you know, with all the things that are going on with the COVID and, 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 and guys transferring and guys, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a new era, but he has, he has adapted really well. And he has got the program really at the top of his. It's at the. It's what I would call moving toward the peak of being one of the better teams in the country. Hey, Coach Jacob here. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Like I like I said earlier, I just want to ask you uh, uh, to, to start off with a story here that I heard from a friend. Uh, I was I'm only 30 years old, so I missed a lot of the uh, early days and your success during the uh, national championship season and the many of the final fours. Um, I want to hear about this story that somebody texted me uh, last week. And they said that there was a pair of boots that you gave Rick Pitino at Bud Walton arena. (laughs) And uh, I want to know about that story. What happened with those boots? You would have to bring up something (laughs) 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 that was, was, you know, Rick and I was pretty good friends, I mean, off the floor. And and uh, we went to play golf uh, in Vegas at the same time we were doing some recruiting. Uh, and he, and he had always asked me about the boots I wore. And I wore quite a – that's all I wore was boots. And uh, and, and so I invited him to El Paso to do a speaking engagement. And then at that deal, I presented him a pair of boots. And I said, now, when we come down there, you got to wear them. He says, I'll wear them. So I said, okay, that, that'll work. And so here we go. We finally come down to play Kentucky, and he comes out of the dressing room. He usually got his those $10,000 suits on and $25,000 shoes on, but now he's got the boots on. And uh, I was surprised. Well, the game got started, and things got a little heated. And before you know it, halftime came, and they were having some problems. And so – Next thing I see when I when he walks out of the floor, he's got his regular shoes of that gone. He's taking off my boots because he figured that was the jinx. We we wound we wound up uh, winning the ball game. Matter of fact, we I don't think we lost very many games at Kentucky. But uh, I, I I thought you know here here's Rick who thinks that the shoes has something to do with whether we win or lose. And it, <laughs> And some people, you know, the superstition is there. So you wear my boots, you're going to get beat. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and Coach, I wanted to ask you, you know, at a school like Arkansas where it's the only team in the state, you know, there's no pro team. And Arkansas as a whole hasn't won like the national championships in football like Alabama or basketball like Kentucky. So to have you as the coach is the – one and only national championship team. And for you to be remembered the way you have the court being named after you, you have a road named after you. What, what does that mean to you? I mean, you, you always hear the term quality over quantity and everybody holds on to that one national championship. Like it's 10 of them. So what does that mean to you that you got to be a part of that time and still how your legacy is leaving or leading on to this day? You know, Porter, I, I, I've been blessed 
so much. And, and you know, the blessing for us, uh, concern was the fact that I was able to, uh, uh, Frank Rawls was able to bring me to, to the Arkansas. I, I didn't go in, into the, uh, the Arkansas, the basketball coach, to be named anything or building to be built, uh, any of that thing. I, I, I was a lover of the game, and, and it just brought me into a place that helped me become better than I thought I would be. Uh, when, you, when you think of a name of the floor, and then you think of the street that runs to the gym, and then you think of Bud itself, you know, it brings back, you know, there's a lot of love and a lot of caring about what happened. You know, I've always prided, prided myself in, in, in the things that I do and, and, and hope that my grandkids or my great-grandkids uh, will be able to see what their grandfather has done. And that's the legacy that I, I look forward to. And my friends. And, of course, the fans uh, also are included in that group. So when I win something, it's not for me only, it's for everyone. It's for my grandma, who I call old mama. Old mama was my hero. Uh, she put me in a position, and the good Lord blessed me after she put me in the position to, to do some good things. You know, I, I'm so honored. When I think of my only had three college jobs, Western Texas Junior College, when I left there, they had a national championship. I went to Tulsa as a mid-major. First year I got there, we won the NIT. And, and I, I left there and came to Arkansas and was able to win a national championship. So I always say, no matter where I've been, I left you a championship when I left. And, and, and then when you think about leaving championships, you think about all the 19,600 arena that was built because we couldn't hold the fans anymore. I mean, it was 40 minutes of hell was everywhere, you know? And so it was, it's, that's always been great. And, and again, my insides are just tickled that we are doing so well right now. And then bringing back the spirit and the love of the game and the love of the university and the love of the fans. And everybody seems to be happy because everybody is a Razorback in this parts of the woods. Yeah, and, 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 you know, everybody remembers your era of, you know, Todd Day, Lee Mayberry, Corliss, and Scotty. But talk about the early years when you first come from Tulsa to Arkansas. You know, what was the vibe like in Arkansas and just the grind that it took you to get Arkansas from the state that it was when you arrived to that era when it were, you know, you had Todd Day, Lee Mayberry, and, and on to the national championship years? Well, I think the hardest part order was the fact that I came to Arkansas with a very sick daughter. Uh, my, my, my girl was little Yvonne. Uh, we had just come over and she had just contacted that year, uh, uh, leukemia. And so, you know, me back and forth in the hospitals trying to save her life meant more to me than any basketball I could have ever tried to do. And so I, you know, I came at the time when it was the worst of the worst. No one, no one should have to go through what then and Rose had to go through with the child and then eventually lose her. You know, I, uh, you know, Eddie had left some players 
But his players were slow down, walking up the floor kind of basketball. And as time went on, I was able to start recruiting some of the kind of kids that would help me who I am and, 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 and play the style of game that, that, I, that I wanted to teach and coach. But during that era, during that era, it was very difficult, very difficult. The fans were angry. The newspapers, they barbecued me every day. I thought I sold more newspapers than anybody can ever imagine about what's next for Nolan Richardson, you know. And so at one point, I, I really thought I was just going to check it in and, and go back and become an elementary school principal. But uh, we, we lost her, and I rededicated myself. And so then that's when I think things begin to change. Uh, I Everything, every game I went into, I was trying to win it for Yvonne because she had talked me in taking the job here the University of Arkansas. So she talked you into coming to Arkansas? Yes. I I had, you know, had made contact with Frank and, and his, he had mentioned the fact that he had to go check on Raleigh Massimino. And uh, that night I decided that I was not going to come to Arkansas. And uh, we had a little meeting there because I just tried to lay it out on her line by telling her that, you know, our doctors are here, your friends are here, all the people, we've been here five years, everybody knows us. Well, you know, we've got a, a situation where there, there's no reason for me to leave other than the fact that uh, uh, they don't have a gym on the campus. Uh, I said, but, you know, we, they had 8,000 fans when we were, when we first got here, they had 1,500. Now it's, can't get into the building anymore. And so I says, we, we're, I've been told that they're going to build a field house to host our team, but it, it didn't work for her. She just said, you know, I, I, I just think that in order for you to be able to win a championship, dad, it's that you got to have a place where they pack them in in Arkansas, they pack them in. And, and, and thanks to coach Eddie Sutton and, and what he had done with the program. So that's, that was midnight, that night, midnight. I, I had called uh, Frank to tell him that I did not want the job. So he, he because I thought they had going to make a decision to hire Robert Massimino. But he, he insisted on me looking at it a little bit closer to the next morning. So she constantly talked to me, and I said, okay, I'll go. But it ain't me because of me that I'm going, I'm going because you, I love, and that's what you want me to do. So that's how I ended up at University of Arkansas. And and when you got here, you know, just like I said, was it the state, and then you got the Barn Hill, and then when did it really start clicking for you in the program? What, what, what turned things around to where you knew this was going to be a promising program. Was it a, a certain recruit or a certain year or what really turned things yeah. around? I think the, the, the real uh, deal that turned us around was signing uh, uh, Herb, not Herb, but uh, a boy from Memphis, Ron Urey. Ron Urey was a player of the year, best player over in Memphis. And, 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 and I had horned in as I was leaving Tulsa, recruiting a lot out of Memphis. 
I would think in Texas and Oklahoma, everything was pretty close by and, and getting my kids in that area, but especially Memphis because they played basketball year round. They're sixth grade, fifth grade. They just play. And, it, and, and, and so I got Ron and the next thing I did, the next class that came out was Todd days. Todd day was the player of the year. I got Todd day. The next guy that came out was Penny Hardaway. I had him. I was went to sign him, but he disappeared. <laughs> so I would have had three bang, bang, bang in a row. Uh, but because of Ron, I was able to have at least eight to nine, ten kids out of the Memphis area, and and I think that's that turned us around. And, and our recruiting changed quite a bit because we're now we're up and down the floor. We're trapping. We're doing some things that other schools didn't do at the time, and and they had to try to prepare for us and couldn't. And uh, I think it took us to a different level. Coach, you were talking about the Memphis guys. What was their impact and role on the Razorback program becoming and, and rising to prominence? I, I didn't quite understand that. What? I'm sorry. Uh, what was the the town of Memphis, the ball players that you got out of there? What was their impact on the Razorback program while you were head coach? What was their impact on the program? Yes, sir. Out of Memphis? Oh, yes, sir. It's a tremendous impact. You know, uh, when I had my basketball camps, uh, a lot of the schools, some of their players came to my, my camp over here in Arkansas because, like I said, when, when we – when we got our first recruit out of out of Memphis, which was Ron Urey, seemed like he had a, a following because you know it's funny he, he was not a McDonald All American, but he made he had made every other All American team. So I used to say, we, he may not have been All American McDonald, but he was a Burger King All American. <laughs> so he was our All Americans, but he he was the the opening of Memphis, and and, it, and Memphis is like I said. Uh, I, I enjoyed coaching them because they had been drilled, they had been playing, they 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 understood the winning, and and that's what I was looking for. And, and coach, when you started really implementing that forty minutes of hell, and, and you seen it starting to pay off. I mean, you seen that you were frustrating other teams, and they just could not break your press. I mean, what kind of pride did that give you and the other team of knowing that? you could see defeat in the other team and you knew you had the game at hand and you had something special, like you said, that nobody else was doing. You know what? I, I, I really enjoyed the way we played is because as you mentioned before, nobody played that way. You know, I, I have to give Eddie some uh, big, big credit because he played, Eddie played for Mr. Iba, Mr. Iba, my coach, Don Haskins played for Mr. Iba. Uh, so the background of defense was, I mean, he had it and I had it. Only difference is I moved mine up and down the floor and they played most of theirs in the half court. I was able to, I was able, I was on the attack all the time offensively and they were making sure the right people got the shots. And so, uh, you know, the 40 minutes of hell was not the name of an offense or of a, of a defense. It was wear and tear. In other words, if I get your body in the best top shape and your brain also get them both in shape to play the kind of basketball, then it's going to be hell for someone. 
And, and usually it's going to be hell on you because you have to do it 40 minutes before we practice every single day. And then after a while, habits form. And when habits form, you, you, you know what? You, you've got something very special. And it's very hard to simulate what we do with five when people are trying to do it with seven. You know, what we did with five people is hard to do. And, and today, as I watch the game, I see your defense against my offense and my offense against your defense. Well, I didn't want it that way. I wanted my offense and my defense against anything you got. So you, you win on two ends of the floor. You can win on the offensive end. That means you shoot the ball very well. You can win on the defensive end. It means you're stopping them shooting it very well. Or you can try to win on both ends of the floor. And I, I chose to try to win on both ends of the floor, which I, gave me a better chance of having success. And a quick follow-up on that, you know, you talk about the high school kids. How difficult was it, you know, because you're dealing with All-Americans. You're dealing with some of the national nation's best players. And to come in and ask of them so much so early, how difficult was it for them to get bought into playing that hard? Or was it something that they just they knew that it was working and they accepted what you asked of them? Well, you, you know, you know, today, I don't know if those kids would want to do what I had Myers go through. You know, we ran the Cleveland Hill, Cleveland uh, Street and up and down those hills and out to the airports and things, getting the body, you know, fatigue will make cowards of us all. When you get tired, you don't care about anything, any, but to, to get out of it. And that's, that's, that's what I tried to get our guys to understand is that that we play harder than anybody plays the game. No one plays as hard. Nobody works as hard as you do. And, and, and you convince them that this is the way you win basketball. And a lot of us get to play. In other words, if you give me the best one minute, you might get to play two, three, four, five. You are in charge of the time that you play. I'm not in charge of that. I will put you in if you're not doing the things that we need then we got to put somebody else in. But if you're doing it, then you stay as long as you have the air and energy to do what I'm asking you to do. And I think that that hooked on. Everybody that was on that team knew that they would be playing a part of a victory, a part of a loss. They would, everyone would take that responsibility. They took charge of their team. And that's the only thing I preach, is that this is your team. And, and in, in order for us to be successful, everybody's got to pull together. And that, that I was very fortunate to have some really good kids that believe that. And 40 minutes became nothing. It was an, an affair that we didn't work very long, and they knew that. So they could come out and give you everything they had. Coach, you said uh, fatigue will make a coward of us all. There is a player on the team currently named J.D. Note. Yes, Would sir. he be able to play for you? Big time. J.T. JT is, is having a phenomenal year. Uh, you know, it, he's making shots that are very difficult. He's making those shots. He's guarding folks. You know, people don't realize that this kid can, can guard you. He can pass it. He can shoot it. I mean, you, you, you can put a... I think as the season has gone on, he's gotten better. Most guys tail off at this time of the year. He's getting better. And so, uh, 
when you when you talk about JT, you, yeah, you, yeah, note you gotta you gotta bring in uh, Jalen. Jalen is by far the best big man passer I have ever seen from a standpoint of being able to do many multiple things, multiple things, meaning taking charges. He, he can hurt you there. He can hurt you rebounding. He can hurt you when he hits his three timely. He can hurt you when he goes to the free throw line. He can just hurt you all the time. There's not many players can do that. The only player that, that you know, I, that I kind of watched that did those kinds of things is Larry Bird. Larry, when whoever played on his team had a chance to win, with whoever plays on this Jalen's team got a chance to win. So that means that he makes everybody better. When you got a guy that makes everybody better, that's when you're doing really something special. And, Coach, you know it's got to put a smile on your face now that where teams don't really play that much defense anymore, for them to frustrate Kentucky the way they did this year with the defense and to see them, you know, win in Bud Walton Arena. I, I just – it brought me back to the 90s of all the battles y'all have with Kentucky and with Arkansas coming out on top. I know that had to make you smile. Oh, big time. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, you – Kentucky will always remain remain the team to be in, in my mind and in, in my era because they had dominated the Southeast Conference. I mean, you know, they've won more national championships, more tournament championships. Uh, they 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 are the you know the, they stand above all of the Southeast Conference. But it, until the University of Arkansas and entered into their league, I think then. That's when basketball became more important because now there was somebody to hang out or hang on to the guys that owned the block. Kentucky owned the block. When Arkansas came in, our first year coming into the league, we won the conference. And we were told that we came out of this weak conference of the Southwest and that we might not be in the middle half of, a, of the Southeast Conference. No, uh, you know, 14 and two was record <laughs> of, of the conference play. We lost one in a, in a controversial call to Alabama at Alabama, and we lost one to Tennessee. That, and that was a, a one point. So there's a possibility things go right. We, we go undefeated in the first year in that conference. So, uh, you know, yeah, yes, I'm, 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 I started thinking about some of the things my kids have done. And, uh, you know, when you look at what they've done and how they've set the, the you know, the Eddie set a, had a bar and we reached that bar and kept moving, I thought. And then, and then now you got Musselman reaching that bar and hopefully we'll continue to move. And before we move on, we'll have to tell our audience about our friends at Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose the one that's top quality and with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens that to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. And there's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. So reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition and just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
And all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash B-L-E-A-V. Athletic Greens, it's time to take ownership of your health. And, Coach, I think we would be uh, – we, we couldn't – have a pod with you on without talking about, of course, that special 94 national championship team. And you'd made, you know, the, the final fours beforehand and, and come up short. But I, I really wanted you to tell the audience about the teams back then and just how dominant the UNLVs, the Dukes, and the, the, the saying that always resonates with me when I think of your program that kind of clicked your team was when Larry Johnson told you that you need to get some men. And – what did that do for you as a coach and to you as your players that, that really turned that program around? You know, everybody talks about that, that, you know, Larry, I recruited Larry so hard that it was, we had a personal uh, pleasure and his, his, his pleasure was the thinking fact that, that, uh, you know, Todd had bristled up against him and, and uh, you know, and, and of course Larry is, was all man, you know, they, they, his nickname was Grandmama in, in the pro in the pro league, but uh, Larry was always one of my favorite kind of guys. I thought we almost had a shot to get him to come play down here, but you know he he, he didn't. I think people think because what he said, we were able to go out and get uh, Lee Wilson, uh, Tank Robinson, you know, six ten, uh, two fifty two. We got some big kids because. The year before, that was the thing that I saw. We we lost to North Carolina, who won the national championship by three three points, and and we had no sides. We had Corliss Williamson, who had been hurt, but we had we had no sides at all. And uh, to be able to get some a little bit of size to go along, you know, after coming from the Sweet Sixteen, the next year they won the national championship with some bigger and stronger kids, and uh, uh, you know. Uh, that 94 championship was was something that uh, guys such as Corey Beck and Matt McDaniel, you know, we had some we had some really uh, hard-nosed individuals uh, that really got after you, you know. And so you had Scotty Thurman that was really smart and could shoot the shoot the basketball, uh, played played within himself and could you know do things that most kids couldn't do play the kind of game, you know, within in himself that I enjoyed watching, watching him perform. Uh, so, and then you had Dwight Stewart, who I almost made a mistake by trying to make him another Oliver Miller. Found out that he, you know, he can play with his back to the basket. You got to realize those kind of things and let, let, let the, let him play where he's the most comfortable. The same way with Al Dillard. Al could shoot from, from Georgia. You know, uh, but if you if you tie his hand, you know, eventually you lose your confidence, and if you lose your confidence, that shot is no good. But Al, Al can score you fifteen points in, in two and a half minutes. He, he gets it going. You know, so uh, it's hard to coach the way I think I coach because you have to let go, and most coaches don't let go. They uh, they feel that they got to have control of every aspect of the game. And I don't feel that way. Coach, you were talking about shooters. And one of your best shooters was old Scotty Thurman. 
tell me about that shot in the 94 National Championship game. What were you thinking as that ball was coming out of his hands and into the hoop? Well, you know, the funny part about it, I asked, I asked uh, Scotty the question. I said, what if, hey, Scotty, well, you, that was a big one, but what if you have missed that shot? You know, his response was, and it's beautiful, he said, well, Coach, remember, we had 50 seconds. We still got we got a chance to get the ball again. See, that that's the kind of players they were. It wasn't like, oh, if I'd have missed it, oh, oh my God, that was, that's the end of it. Uh, we'd have been in an overtime, got beat. No, he said, hey, we're going to get a chance to do it again because we got 50 seconds left on the clock when it went through the hole, let's say. I said, oh, that's a good answer as far as I'm concerned because that's what I would say. Hey, the game, is, the game is still going on. So, but the greatest part was, was the greatest assist that was ever passed out in the history of the Arkansas was Dwight Stewart. He lost the ball. He had a bobbling and presence of mind, got that ball over to Scotty and bingo. Everything else became history. So that's, to me, is the greatest assist that gave him the opportunity to make the great shot. And to follow up on that, you know, Scotty also said that, you know, usually shooters, you know, muscle memory, you're the same rotation, same release. And in a split second notice, he knew that he was going to have to alter his shot and shoot it just a little bit more higher arch. So for those young shooters now that just go behind the three-point line is just to go walk in the gym and just start shooting and shooting and shooting, you know, explain the mindset and how quick of a reaction that says about Scotty to know that he had to alter his shot and – you know, make a little bit more arch on it for it to go in. Well, you know, the, the thing about shooting, you know, first of all, it's, it's a confidential, confident art. Second, you have shot this ball over and over so many times. And, you know, it's the funny, the funniest part is when they say, you got a kid. Now, he doesn't shoot very well, you know, and, but he's a nice kid. And, but he, but he, he can rebound or he can pass or something, but he don't shoot that good. Well, then I don't want him. I can't, I, it, you, you can't bring me no 17, 18, 19 year old kid. That's already been shooting all of his life, the way he shoots and convert him into being a very, very top sh- shooter. Now he can shoot terrible looking shots and make some of them because he believed with Scotty. I mean, he, he shot so many of that kind of shot. That shot didn't surprise me. I mean, he, he understands what he's got to do to get the ball over you. Uh, when, you, when, you when you're a kid and you're playing, you learn those things when you're as a, as a youngster. You know, this guy is really big. I, how do I get this shot over him? I, do I uh, shoot it quicker before he gets to me? I mean, all of these kind of instincts are coming naturally because of he's done it so many times. You, you don't necessarily have to make the shot, but he can get the shot to where it's got to go. And so that's to me is what Scotty was. He, it, it didn't it didn't surprise me a bit because he'd made that same kind of shot against Kentucky at home at at at, uh, at Bud Walton Arena. He had to hit a shot, and he did. And there are some of those guys that when the pressure is on, that's when they're at their best. Scotty was at his best when he, the pressure was on. And for you to win the national championship and, and 
to get that kind of monkey off your back of just being so close and what it meant to the – I mean, because at that time you had President Clinton at your games. I mean, the whole nation was behind the Arkansas Razorbacks. And to go up against a prestigious – one of the blue bloods in college basketball in Duke and to win it against them when some said you had no chance. I mean, how much did that mean to you and fulfill, you know, that dream of bringing a national championship home to Arkansas? Well, that's beautiful, Phoebe. Uh, the, the thing that was even even more that nobody kind of mentions is that we beat North, we beat Duke in North Carolina. So that they 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 were used to they've played on that court, you know. So so when you can take your squad into a hostile environment, which you know our Razorbacks they were well there, but Duke was right around the corner. You know, so and and if you can go in there and win a national championship from the top team who had just won it the year before, you know, it's it's amazing. Not the year before, yeah, the year before. You see, so uh, to do that and to have all of the the president and, and, and watching the ball game, who's an Arkansas person, uh, all the fans that got their way up to the gate. Uh, that, that was probably one of the crowning moments of basketball for me. I always say that uh, every every championship that I was able to win was the crowning moment. You know, they, they said, how did you, well, I, you should have seen how I felt when I won the junior college. I didn't think it could get any better. And then we end up, going to Tulsa and, and we went to NIT and I didn't think that could get any better. So we came over to the Arkansas and, you know, I, I feel bad because I think, I think if I could do it again, we could at least win two, possibly three national championships. Cause I was always putting ourselves in the position. You know, when you, when you get to the sweet 16, you put yourself in position to have a chance. It's any, it could be anybody's ball game. So you're talking about uh, national championships and, and trophies. What do you think about this current team right now? With the streak that they're on, do you think they have a, a possibility to get to, to reach the pinnacle of the sport? Yes, I, I, I think they do. I think, uh, you know, let's hope that no, none of the key, 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 key players are hurt or something happens, but – if they can keep intact the people that healthy and if they can continue to play with that kind of a swagger, you know, when you, when you look at their team, they, to me, it, they show a sign of you, you, you can't beat us. I don't care what the score is at what point the score is, we are going to end up winning the basketball game and, and, and see defense travels. And that's one thing that, that they have that travels with them everywhere they've gone so far is that their defense have been really good. And if you can do that, and if your offense catches up, well, you're a really good team. And so I think Arkansas has a really good basketball team. And you said something right there. You hope your offense catches up to your D. And I think with the transfer portal and when you're getting these transfer players, it seems like it's almost flip-flop now you're getting your offense and in, in, in tune together. And then the second half, when your defense starts playing together, 
you're starting to see that the scores are getting lower and they're starting to shut teams down that normally they wouldn't be playing that big of defense. So do you think that has a lot to do with the just the when you get a bunch of transfers in that you're focusing on your offense, getting in tune offensively first, and then you work on defense, or you just think that's just how it's coming together? Well, you know what? What you got to think about, it, and it doesn't mention it, but each one of those players that transferred and into the school, they got one thing in mind when they came to the University of Arkansas, and it wasn't to win a national championship. The one thing in mind that every youngster is want to play on the next level. The next level is where they want to be. And, and, and when, when, and when you can get them to, okay, you can get on that next level, but you got to play on this level first to get to the next level. I think that that is the, the part and it takes a while, you know, you start winning, you start winning together. You start playing, you start playing together. You start hanging out, you start hanging out together. Then you become a team. That's what I think the Razorbacks have done over the period of time. You know, you got Davis. Davis is, is, is you know, they say, oh, well, he's having a bad um, week or two weeks or what have you. Yeah, but he had four or five great, great weeks. He'll be back. It's not that he's gone anywhere. He'll, you know, things happen that way. But uh, the thing that is important right now is that, that they keep playing with that intensity level that you don't teach. You know, it's something that, that, you know, knowing that they want to go to the next level, there's a certain amount of, of, of effort you've got to put forward. For me as a scout, as a pro scout, let's say, to said, hey, this kid here can go play on the next level. And what do you think Coach Musselman's doing so different that sets himself apart? I mean, we're talking about this era, and you, as well as Coach Musselman, you've seen the best of the Arkansas fan base, and you've seen the worst of the fan base. And when they start 0-3, and the fans just come out of the woodwork, you know, and you hear all the stuff, and especially, you know, now with the coaches having to deal with social media, I mean, one, how, how do you think it would have been back in your day with social media and then, of course, my, my first question of what, what is setting – what is Eric Musselman doing that's setting him apart from everybody else? Well, you know, the social media has changed uh, everything, the whole game. I mean, you know, it's uh, – everybody's a coach, and everybody was a coach, but you didn't hear him. <laughs> you know, when I used to go to the gym, I used to say that we got – if they had 19,000 fans in there, I said I got 19,000 assistant coaches. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's part of the game. That's part of, of you know, uh, who we are. That's, you know, and I, and I think what Musselman has done over the years is, is, is created something that, you know, being a, he's, he's coaching the pro league, the semi-pro league. I mean, and, and, and youngsters are coming to him knowing that he's already been there, that he might be able to show them something Helped him help them to be where they want to go. That's the, to me. That's the bottom line. Is 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 they're, tr- they're trying to position themselves in a in a position to go to the next level. And he seems to be the one that can get them there. And so uh, when you when you start off with the with the players who 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 wants that number one thing. And, and they're listening to their coach. 
and they put them both together, and he has done a tremendous job of getting them to listen and play together. That that's that's what they do to me better than than most teams is play together. And you're talking about the 19,000 fans or assistant coaches in the stands. What has their impact been the past month and a half at Bud Walton Arena this season? What is the impact, you say? Oh, yeah. What Does it remind you of the 90s? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, looking, you know, I had, I wasn't at the game watching television and, and watching the fans and, and listening to some of the the media talk uh, and, and listening to some of the youngsters who have gone to the games, it's, 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 it's unreal uh, what's going on. It's, it's, it's dynamite. In other words, uh, I remember one of the big games, the number one team versus the number two team, which was Las Vegas and Arkansas. And uh, one of my, one of my grand guys asked me a question that I, Ask me, why Why is it that, did you ever play a number one? I said, you know, we were number one for 12 weeks. So everybody who played us was the same feeling that they had playing the number one team, you know, against Auburn. So wherever Auburn goes, that's the biggest game of the year. Arkansas knocking them off and knocking off Florida and knocking off. I mean, when you start going down the murder's rope, they've knocked them all off. And I, and I see them doing the same thing in Tennessee. You know, it, it, it'll be a toughie because it's hard to win there, but, but they can do it. Okay. So, uh, I don't know if I can answer your question other than the fact that the fans, they, they make, they keep you from, from losing at home. You know, when you, when you come home, that's what I tell them. You protect home. You, you know everything about home, so you protect it. When you have, when you started off, uh, I mentioned that to Mossman once, that, you know, you're losing three games or what have you. All sickness is not death. Just because you're a little sick don't mean you're dying and everybody has written you off. So it's easy to come back when you take it that 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 way, and so to me that's what has happened. They 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 started off. He has to fix some things and and get some starting lineups together and rotations together, and he does a great job of doing that. And boom, he's right back in the thick of things. And, uh, wouldn't surprise me if they wouldn't uh, win it. Coach, you know, you coached with and against Coach K. You know, and this is going to be his last regular season home game fitting against North Carolina and Cameron Indoor. And, and just say a few words about him, what he did for the game of college basketball, and just what his legacy will be as he, he goes on to the next step. Well, Coach K, Coach K, of course, is, is, is he's, he's a legend already without any – I mean, he – Modern, you know, when they say old school, young school, uh, the guy has done everything. You know, he's coached our Olympic teams to gold medals. Uh, he has a phenomenal, uh, unbelievable career at, at Duke. And, uh, 
the game's going to miss him, you know, because, I mean, the game will go on and on, but the game won't have Krzyzewski. And, 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 and I don't know if there'll ever be another Krzyzewski. But, but what I see in his legacy is that in modern times, no one did it better than he did. And that's the thing that it's, as I get into my 40s, you know, you, Williams, Krzyzewski, you know, all the legends that have coached, you know, we're starting to slowly see them start to retire. And I, you realize how blessed we are as college basketball fans to get to witness some of the greatest to ever coach this game. And I think I've actually, you know, done it myself. And I think the problem with, you know, with social media, you don't appreciate the greatness that you're watching. Like one of the biggest debates I get in is who's the best player of all time, Jordan or LeBron. And it's like, of course, I'm an MJ guy, but you still get caught up in not really appreciating watching greatness. Like the the fans now, you know, they beat Kentucky, but the first thing they want to do is complain about the refs or the guy camping in the, you know. So if you could say one thing to the fans to really kind of just enjoy the moment, it's stuff like Coach K coaching his last game that you really takes you back, be like. Just take a step back and enjoy the game. Well, you you, you hit the, the nail on the head there. Uh, you know, I, I never wanted anyone to run out on the floor. Yeah, and the reason is because when you run out on the floor, and of course anything can happen. But it tells me that you are not used to that. You're not used to it. You do things because you're not used to it. So, hey, let's just storm the floor. Because, it, But all the years that I coached, I would have been very disappointed if we had stormed the floor because I said, hey, we've been here before. And I, that's what I, you know, we beat Kentucky at Kentucky and they were coming into the dressing room and I said to my team, it's just another day at the office. You, you have to feel that this is what you're supposed to do. Uh, when you're not supposed to do it, the excitement comes, and here we go. So I, I've always said that you need to put yourself in a position that you don't ever have to worry. I love this as a coach. I would love to see someone else run out on the floor, but never I would want to see. I've seen my kids run and jump on the benches, and I, and I have a pretty good visit with them after the after that, <laughs> you know, I said, hey, man, you act like you ain't never done that before. We've done, we, do, we do those kind of things here. You know, I expect you to play and win. And you got to start expecting that. And the fans, they expect it that you win. But, you know, I don't know. We, we've got a new total generation of, of fans now. And, and, and it seemed like what one school will do. The other school becomes the copycat of the school that did it. And now, now they can hardly wait to have their turn to run out on the floor. And it, they could be number 50 versus number 46, but they're running out on the floor. And that worries me. And another thing, you're talking about the generational gap. Do you think your style of play would work in today's game? And how hard, if not, how hard would it be for you to have to adjust the way the, the hand checking is called it just being able to get after him on defense. How, how hard would that be to adjust? Well, I think they changed the rule because of the university of Arkansas and how we played. We gave, you, you know, the, the name of the game is advantage disadvantage. 
If I put you at a disadvantage, then then it should be a foul. If I don't put you at that dis- disadvantage, then it shouldn't be. But you know, it's 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 a, it's a, a call. Uh, I really believe the way we would play today and the way they play today, I believe we would be successful. Because if you would notice on the offensive end, it's a pick and pop, pick and roll, pick and screen. I mean, it, and, and it's more like one-on-one. A lot of one-on-one is played now. And the thing that I see that is uh, uh, probably a lot better is the fact they're shooting the ball better. They can shoot the three better, and they're making more of them. But for his execution, I mean, everybody used to say, boy, I love that running gun. We don't run and gun. We run and execute. There's a difference between running and gunning and running and executing. And that's that's what I would try to do. I want to play still, both ends of the floor. I don't ever see a guy, a man on a man, that's shooting the basketball really well. But let's stop him from catching so many passes so easy. Let's just cut down on his receiving of the ball. That stops a guy that's really a good score if you take him out of his rhythm. And so, to me, I, I'm, I'm an, I adjust to what you do on the floor as opposed to this is what, how we're going to play tonight all the way through. No. Because that's why we work so hard every day to do what we do and hope that you try to play like us. And, Coach, as we wrap it up, you know, first of all, I wanted to kind of mention for those viewers who can't see your jacket that you, you're wearing today, I, I would love for you to explain, you know, that jacket you have on, what it means to you, and – Years down the road, when, when you have fans go into games, they see your name on the court, and they see your name on that street sign. What do you want the first thing that comes to their mind that they remember when they see the name Nolan Richardson? Well, uh, you know, again, this, this, this jacket is a high school jacket. This is where I went to high school, and, uh, I, you know, I – it's the school will be a hundred years old in, uh, uh, in September, I believe. And so uh, during this period, and if I do any interviews and things, since I graduated from there, my first job, the first job that I was able to get was at this particular school called Bowie High School. You know, and it's in, it's in uh, yesterday I celebrated my 20th year of being fired. From the University of Arkansas. <laughs> so I, I celebrate everything. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's me. And so so that, that that's what that amounts to. But for them to drive down Nolan Richardson's uh guess road or boulevard is 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 special. And for you to walk into the basketball court and see the name on the floor special, very special. It's something that when I leave this earth, uh, my, my, like, as I mentioned many times, my grandkids, great grandkids, um, if they mention their grandfather's name, they'll know that he, he, he did the best he could. And in, and in his life, he just wanted the, the best for everyone, uh, you know, the, to live together in peace because, uh, a legacy, you know, I don't think if, if I were to leave this earth that uh, 
the good man upstairs would ask me how many games I won. He might ask me how many lives I touched, and I'm hoping that I touched quite a few of them. And also with with the practice facility and them to you know you to share the moment with Eddie Sutton before you know tragically he you know he passed away and for them to name that after him and y'all share that you know y'all both had the same kind of impact in Arkansas as coaches you getting the national championship so what does that mean that you know they also as well at Oklahoma State and at Arkansas honored honored him as as what he done for both programs. Oh, Eddie was the man. Uh, Eddie was. Uh, I thought Eddie, when you talked about Krzyzewski, I put Eddie into that classification. Eddie was was uh, unbelievable coach, unbelievable. Uh, what he did at Arkansas, uh, from from a basketball standpoint, and if you go below before he got here, you know it was an average kind of a programs. But when he took over, and it it, it shot up, and uh, my I had been knowing Eddie before he was even the coach at Arkansas. I remember he played, he coached a junior college team, and I was playing AAU ball uh, against one of his team as a player. I was a player. And like I said, Eddie, my coach, played for the same coach. And so, you know, his coach was a Hall of Famer. My coach was a Hall of Famer. Eddie's a Hall of Famer. And thank God I was able to make the Hall of Fame also. Well, Coach, this has definitely been an honor and a pleasure to talk to you, and, and we really appreciate the time you took away from your day to talk to us. And, again, it's been a special special podcast to get to talk to the legendary Coach Nolan Richardson. Thank you. Well, that will do it for a special episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. Again, we are presented to you by Bet Online, and we will catch you on Monday on our normal episode. Woo pig.